and welcome to episode 34 of Booze Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Ollie. And if you are just joining us on episode 34, we discuss everything, well, creepy. And macabre. Yeah, with um, a little mortuary flair with our expert Sam. So welcome. I mean, I wouldn't call myself an expert yet, but... Expert in training. <laughs> yes, you're expert in training. Yes, Own it. Yes. Be like, yes, I'm that <sighs> bad mortician bitch. <laughs> they, Amazon did have a lot of um, mortuary gifts, but I was they like, do. I don't want to overwhelm her with more skulls <laughs> and and things of that sort. So, yeah, like a lot of keychains, like quirky... Mm-hmm keychains like one said i'll be the last one to let you down or something like that and i was like huh okay there's a market for this apparently (laughs) there are some really cute cups though that are like embalming fluid on them i did see that one i thought about it i was like "Mm, i don't know (laughs) yeah i would be scared to bring it to work though because i don't want to mix those up although i would hope i'd be able to tell my cup from actual fluid but those shifts are long so (laughs) oh my god oh my god i can't even imagine I know when you asked, and I was like, oh, they're 12 hours. You were like, what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was not expecting that. No. Are you adjusting, though, to the to the shift? And I know because you, you're an early bird. So how uh, is that adjustment? It's it's getting used to it for sure. I mean, now that, like, school's slowing down, I'm, I'm okay with it. I don't mind staying up. But if I was to do this shift like a couple months ago when I was in the middle of mortuary school, I would be so swamped and so over it. So I started 12, I ended 12. So it's not too bad. Oh, yeah. That's cool. And speaking of school, if you are a graduate of 2020, congratulations. Yes. And I am sorry that the world had to rain on your parade this year but your accomplishments need to be acknowledged and you need to flaunt that diploma or that degree a hundred percent yes i saw i saw a joke the other day or meme i should say and it was like it's okay seniors i didn't go to school my senior year either (laughs) (laughs) i was like yep after lunch you i was not at school dang (laughs) no my school was too small if you weren't there they noticed but anyways, what is going anyways. on this week before we <sighs> jump in it? Nothing really. What I do have to talk about, I have to save for more Terry updates. So I've, I've nothing. I have nothing boozy. Re- well, there's that article that I sent you. Yeah, yeah. We were actually talking about it during dinner too. Gabriel brought it up. And I think it's important to mention, and it's a case I'm going to, try to be better at following but i don't know you might know more than i do all i saw was that first article because i got really upset and i was just like i can't keep reading right now okay so i did do a little digging because i'm curious but um for those of you who do keep up with social media and the news a recent video was released by a witness who saw the i'm gonna say murder of 100%. Ahmad Arbery. He was a 24-year-old black man who was killed after being chased by two white men in February. Um, this happened in Febu- February, and the two men were not uh, sent to jail, nor th- were they going to be tried. It was going to be 
I, I believe Gabriel said it was going to be like a rightful like homicide. Like they had the right to uh, kill him because they suspected him to have been the culprit of a chain of robberies in the neighborhood. But then this video did surface and it did not show. It showed that Arbery was clearly jogging. Like a man who's robbing um, houses would not wear, you know, I think he was like, what, in a white t-shirt? Like gym gym shorts. Like, no. And yeah, this video shows him getting murdered. The two men uh, chase him in their truck and shoot him multiple times with their guns. Um, And... The one who did, or like one of the the men involved, was a police officer, or was um a former police officer, I believe, former detective of the area, and it was his son, him and his son. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. As I was telling Gabriel, because he asked me if I saw it, and I said, I whenever I see acts of injustice getting carried out like that, I it's like I want to watch, but when I watch, I feel so hopeless. You I'm like, do I'm like, what do I do? How? Yeah, it makes me extremely concerned for my friends, my friends of color. I know racism is still well and alive here in this country, and I don't feel like they're protected, and it's terrifying. So I don't know. Like, I don't know what to think, and I get really sad and depressed, which I know it should outrage everybody. Like, you should be knowledgeable, and you should know that this is going on. And I think they still haven't pressed any charges or anything and they haven't been arrested yet right is that where we're at right now they are going to bring it up and bring it up to um a grand jury i believe because after that because all of this came out like today i believe yeah um they're trying to get the case to go to to grand jury see the last bullet i read was yeah, he wanted a grand jury to determine whether charges should be brought against the two men, which uh, they should, because it's murder. But I just, I, how do you fight the fact that it's on video that this man was jogging and you just you shot him down? You know, like well, how do you- at first they reported that he like attacked them and it was in self defense, like he came at them. So, I, I don't, yeah, like, how did this also slip through the cracks and um, the community or the, I believe the attorney, district attorney or the attorney in that Georgia County believes that it should go to a grand jury because it's not going to be handled well, like, there in that county, obviously, because nothing has been done. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. So good. I hope just justice needs to be served because I feel like if it's not, it's going to be... They'll be, they'll definitely be, like, protesting, and it's only going to get worse if, I, I don't know. It's like, I have no words. I get really just, like, ah, words all mushed no, up. There'll be riots. They, there will be riots, for sure. Like, you, you can't just be silent about that at all. It's just, if, okay, so, say it was a white man who got shot by two black people. Like, there would be outrage, and they would have been arrested, and, like, all this shit, you know? Even if they said, oh, he came at me. Like, if the colors were reversed, this would have been handled completely different. So. Yeah, and 
we're gonna see a little bit of that in my story also <laughs> but oh i know and see it it gets worse but actually no this is actually really really bad i don't know this is worse you know this is, this is terrible it yeah, sucks because no it's the same i'm like it, it how we're kind of like desensitized at this point you know because whenever i was scrolling through the news and i saw the article come up a I just kept scrolling, honestly, because I'm just like, oh, another, you know, it's yeah. such a problem here in this country. Um, I think ever since I saw the, sh- the video of Phil Lando, did you watch that one also? Which that one, one was? That one happened, I believe, in like 2016. Um, but it was he was in the passenger seat. His child was in the car. <gasps> yes, yes. After yes, watching yes, that yes. video, like I remember just crying. Like I could not stop. And um Every time somebody brings up, you know, brings up police brutality or brings up the NRA, I'm like, okay, that was an example of injustice on video. And ever since then, I'm like, well, what the fuck? Like, anything can happen now. And for, you know, our friends of color and listeners of color, like, I... Yeah, like no words. I'm like I, every like each person has the right to be outraged. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, maybe you need to pay a little bit more attention to what's going on. I mean, you can't just put the blinders on because it might affect you someday. You know, it might someone you know or maybe yourself. Like you, you need to know about this stuff. And even if you don't want to, and you you're you're trying to avoid it as much as possible you can't it's just the world we live in and we have to all strive to make a change and stop things like this from happening i mean we won't be able to completely stop every single thing but if there's some way that we can you know just bring awareness to something and maybe somehow spark some change i mean you know yeah and i really believe that the way that happens is by having conversations because if you can easily, like for me, for instance, like me saying I can just scroll past it and not pay attention, I am speaking from a certain level of privilege where I can just say, oh, I don't want to read about that today. Yeah. Um, even though I should. So for, I'd like, I challenge everybody to kind of educate themselves on it or if they don't understand or, or ask questions even, like um, someone in my family recently asked about white privilege. They're like, well, I don't understand what that word means or I don't understand why white people are more privileged or I don't get it. And I'm like, well, don't be afraid to ask. Like, I'm happy you're asking. And like having those conversations educates people on, you know, why things like this happen and how that's different from just an everyday, like, violent shooting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So... So yeah, as if we didn't need more bad news in the world today. I know, I know. We got killer bees, we got racism, we got Rona. What else? What else can we get? Don't, don't I'm not that. asking, I'm not like, <laughs> please, I do not want that challenge. <laughs> yeah, but we'll keep you guys informed as soon as we know more. We're kind of at the same spot you guys are all at, so. Yeah, if we find anything, any way to help, any, like, GoFundMe for, like, the family, any petitions to sign, if things don't go the way we want, like, we are definitely going to circulate that, you know, just like the Rodney King, keep y'all 
informed as much as possible. Yes. Yes. <sighs> All right. Anything that's uh, maybe a little positive? All right. Give me a second to shake this anger out. I know. Just <laughs> get a little sip of this, whatever this white wine is. I don't know what it is. Oh, I organized my garage. <gasps> what? So did we. Kind of. Oh, did you find your skull? I found two. I found two um, coolers. I was too scared to open it. <laughs> I just kicked it, and I heard like things rattle in it, like rock. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you gotta open that. But if I, I'm going to camp with this weekend to go camping, and if I find anything like bone wise, like I will uh, find a way to safely bring it back yes. to you. Thank Which you. I saw that you have a new project. Sam's always coming in with the new projects. I love it. <laughs> the creepy projects. Um, I bought a de-articulated, I don't know what the word is, I think de-articulated uh, snake skeleton. It's a four-foot boa constrictor, not boa constrictor, uh, ball python. So I have now the task of separating all the vertebrae, all the rib cages, and putting everything back in order to its skeletal skeletal i'm just articulating it back to what it was so sweet how did you find that uh i'm in a lot of bone groups oh okay (laughs) yeah and it's actually coming from austin so i should get it pretty soon yeah oh they're they're mailing it to you (laughs) they're mailing it to me i always wonder like the craziest thing that goes through the mail I was, what was I listening to? I was listening to something, and they're like, yeah, um, the USPS, the number one drug trafficker. (laughs) I'm like, that's Um, pretty ballsy. So I don't have a UPS story, but I have a, I know someone who works for TSA at the airport, and there was a woman who came in one day with her husband's uh, decapitated head, and she said that she carried it around for religious purposes, and she had complete paperwork to justify her carrying her husband's head around. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. What religion is that? I I don't know. I don't know. Was it in the suitcase? Was it in her purse? Like She had, yeah, it was in her purse. She had, like, a little, like, carry-on... Like a bowling ball. I <laughs> just imagine yeah, like a, a bowling ball bag. And instead of a bowling ball, it's a head. You're, yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. We've been talking a lot about dismembering spouses yeah. now. Yeah. We're not getting any ideas, I promise. <laughs> we need a new topic of discussion. <laughs> I did bring it up to Gabriel, the, the story from Reddit, the last episode. Uh-huh. And he, the first thing he said was like, fucking cool. That's so fucking wicked, dude. I would do, I'm like, no, no, no. And I told him my, like, my grandkid, um, plan and he wasn't very amused, but. I was, I laughed a lot. He didn't care. I, I don't think he was just like, he's like, eh, whatever. Like, I guess, but I thought it was a great idea. He was like, well, um, actually, they wouldn't get any more money than $2,000 because inflation just means that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. But I'm just saying, like. At least they're getting money. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyways. Yeah. But no, that's that's the only. Why does my joyful news end with dismemberment? And <laughs> that's just, you gotta, just got to roll with it. got to accept it. I see a fishing pole in the background. Uh, Matt caught two fish today. I saw that. Yeah. 
Good for I him. I should have bought a lot of ticket. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't know. You here's Sam with all the cool hobbies. I literally am such a loser. Oh my gosh, whatever. <laughs> I stay at home and play with bones and my husband fishes. Apparently. Wait, did y'all throw the fish back or how does that Yeah, work? we threw him back. Oh, okay. Well, okay, so the first because we, we caught two catfish well he caught two catfish they kept stealing my fucking bait so i didn't catch any fish and i gave up but <laughs> um so the first catfish they squeak do you know they squeal mm, i didn't know that they squeal like pigs but like Ooh. fish version so very quiet i don't like but that it, so we get the hook out of the catfish and it's like and I was like, oh, my God, it's suffocating. So I, like, I grabbed it and I, like, put its face in the water to give it, like, some water. And the little bitch swam away. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you expect? It to just, like, yeah. hang out? <laughs> no. Well, I just wanted to give it some water so Matt could take a picture and then we were going to release it. Mm. No, he took off. And then the second fish, it started squealing, too. And I was like, put it back, put it back. <laughs> so That is weird. Yeah. yeah, it's very weird that they squeal. So, it was unsettling. That reminds me of this video I saw. I'm going to have to tag you in it. It has nothing to do with catfish, but it there are a bunch of hogs, and one of the hogs ate um, fermented corn, so it was drunk. Oh, no. It was just, just like a drunk pig, and it's so funny. Well, anyways, it has nothing to do with anything. I just think it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> drunk piggy. All right, I'm ready to get upset again. All right, let's get upset. All right, so this week, I thought I would keep it local, keep it pretty local. So as we all know, Sam is recording from San Antonio, and I am recording in the capital of Texas, Austin, in case you didn't know. Well, I didn't. It's the um, (laughs) suburbs of Austin, but basically Austin. So Austin is known for, well, like I just said, being the capital of Texas, having great barbecue, and for being weird. What a lot of people don't know is that some historians claim that Austin was the first American city with a serial killer. And Ooh. Yeah, some, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I guess you could debate about it since I believe it's been happening since humans have been humans, but, That's like, the true. first kind of, like, recorded case, um, which, of course, came, like, way before the term serial killer was even coined so the term serial killer was first used in 1981 by robert ressler the crimes that took place in austin though began in 1884 so well before the time on december 30th 1884 the body of molly smith was found placed in the snow next to the family's outhouse located on what is now sixth street Her body was laying in puddles of blood with an axe wound to her head, abdomen, chest, legs, and arms. The murder... Yeah, no, no, like, bad. The murder weapon was found next to her bed, and the blood trail suggested that she was dragged from her bed to the snow outside. And Molly was only 25 years old. Um, So her boyfriend did live with her, and her boyfriend was found was also found, like, knocked unconscious in the same bed. So he had no recollection of what went on and what happened to Molly. That's kind of strange that Molly was the one killed, though, and not the boyfriend. Yeah, we're going to get into that later also. Okay. And just, like, a heads up, like, most of these murders that I'm going to talk about happen 
downtown, like what is now downtown Austin. Mm-hmm. And man, I'm like, that place must be haunted as hell. <laughs> we got to do a ghost tour in Austin. We do, yes. And there's plenty of them. Yeah, they're haunted with not just the souls of young, drunk college kids. <laughs> But months later, on May 7th, 1885, Eliza Shelley, a young cook for the family of Dr. Lucian Johnson, was found dead on Cypress Street. Her head was almost completely split from the axe that was used. And unfortunately, her children witnessed the grisly crimes, but they were too traumatized to recall any of the information, any information. And then after the second murder, the headlines where, you know, they are like, not the headlines. So the newspaper picked up real quick and headlines read, the foul fiends keep up with their wicked work. So it was suggested that it was a group or like a gang of individuals um, going on a murderous rampage. Was there any evidence to suggest that it was a group or was it just, oh, that's more scary, so we'll say it's a group? Well, the crimes are so horrific that at this time people really didn't realize that one person can carry it out and yeah. um yeah it was like like little side note i'm listening to or i've been listening to uh, last podcasts um the yorkshire ripper mm-hmm. and like that case like suggested that jack the ripper was like one individual like who could could have been anybody because that guy was just some normal guy I don't want to say normal. He was some, like, average Joe kind of guy where, like, Jack the Ripper, they thought, like, oh, he must be, like, in the medical field to carry out these procedures, you know, these murderous, like, procedures on people. And we'll kind of get to Jack the Ripper at the end, surprisingly. After the two murders, a well-known resident by the name of William Sidney Porter wrote, Town or the town is fearfully dull, except for the frequent raids of servant girl annihilators who make things lively during the dead of night. And then, since he was a well known writer, the letter became public fairly soon and the name began to stick. Locals and reporters refer to the axe murder as the servant girl annihilator, which so pretty wicked they- name. Yeah, so were they actually Servant Girls, or was it just because he wrote it like that that now it was called Servant Girl? Most of them, and once we get through, like, the list of the victims, most of them were. So the first one, Molly, um, she was, yeah, she was a servant, and then the young cook, um, you know, was technically a servant also. Okay. All right, I'll shut up so you can No, 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 I love when we, (laughs) when you ask questions and we can have more of a dialogue. A few weeks later, on May 23rd, the servant girl annihilator claimed its third victim. Irene Cross was brutally murdered, and her body left the impression that the annihilator may have scalped the victim. Ugh. Yeah, so it's kind of like we have a theme here. And um, also to note, um, the last two were also drugged from their bed. So they were killed in their bed, and then, or like taken from their bed and drug outside dragged outside and then headlines again cried will when will it end like but no one was really doing a lot about it at this time mm-hmm. so as the summer as the end of summer approached the annihilator claimed the life of clara dick in august um which there wasn't a lot of information it was like oh Here's Claire Dick, and she died also. And then more information came 
it kind of like glazed over it. And one of, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't even mention the number one source for my my research today was pbs.org, um, History Detectives. And then some culturemap.com and Texas Monthly did like a whole book on this case and mental floss. But shout out to PBS for a lot of this. Before you start, so mm-hmm. he did two or three murders in May, two? So yeah, like two... Let me let me see real quick. Yeah, two in May, and then um, Clara at the end. Months. Yeah, he's really sporadic, like really spread apart. And I say he because you know most serial killers, most murderers are men. Um, but yeah, very spread apart because the first one happened in December the year before, and then didn't happen again until May, like way later. Then he kills two in May, and then he waits three months. That's weird. That's a very weird pattern. Yeah, so it's really spread apart. But then, I don't know, sometimes, like, when I was reading this and researching it and having noticed how spread apart everything was, I'm like, well, maybe maybe he traveled and there were other victims because mm-hmm. people don't just stop. Like, murderers yeah. don't just stop. Um, Makes me wonder if there's other unsolved axe cases that haven't been linked. Exactly, and... That was, like, for the PBS history detectives, like, that was something that they were trying to look at um, was surrounding counties and what they've reported. Um, But they just found reports of the same case, which we'll talk about kind of towards the end when the trial comes around. Um, But around the same time, and this was kind of, like, towards the end of his murder spree, Gracie Vance and her boyfriend, Orange Washington, were asleep in a shack behind Vance's boss's home when they were attacked. So this was during a time where it was 20 years after the Civil War. So a lot of these individuals were free people of color, um, which I kind of was going to wait until the end to give that suspenseful bit of information. But yeah, these women were women of color and (sighs) were, were free individuals, though, and worked for a boss. And most of the time they lived either on their boss's property or on the property of the restaurant that they worked in oh yeah gracie vance and her boyfriend orange washington were asleep in a shack behind vance's boss's home when they were attacked the papers read that vance's head almost that vance's head almost beaten into a jelly oh my gosh so yeah these are brutal murders this next one just a bit of a trigger warning is the most unsettling so now the news reports reporting the crime and the people were a little wary of what's going on. Like they know there's a murder out, but like a lot of caution still, like, this caution, but a lot of action still isn't happening. But it wasn't until the murder of Mary Ramy that really instilled fear in the public. So Rebecca, Mary's mother, worked as a cook. And as mentioned, like it wasn't uncommon for the cooks to live on the property of the eating establishment. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's where she lived. So the owner of the restaurant Mary worked at heard a strange noise early one morning, like early, early one morning, probably around like 3 a.m. Upon searching the living quarters of Rebecca Ramey, he goes into the wash house and discovers the body of Mary. She has been beaten with a long spike in her ears, piercing her brain. And she was also raped. But uh, this is all extremely disturbing Especially because she was only 11 years old. Oh, no. So, um, 
what's also interesting that like Rebecca was harmed, but also really couldn't recall any information. So mm. he harmed her enough to where she was like also unconscious, just like the boyfriend from like Molly's boyfriend. Yeah, but like she wasn't the target her daughter was. Yeah, yeah. That's also interesting that he didn't kill both of them. Which yeah. should have suggested at the time that this was just one person. Because, like, a yeah. gang of people could, you know, take take two individuals. Mm-hmm. So the thought of someone committing such a horrendous crime on a child rightfully outraged the public. The community of Austin demanded a change in leadership. The public felt that they had, they had to mobilize themselves since the police were not making any progress. And the attack, like, the attackers, like plural, were referred to as monsters, fiends, and it was thought that not one person could be responsible just because of how awful it was. The city took precautions at night. They began taking precautions at night, I should say. Mm-hmm. So the saloons that ran twenty four seven began to close at midnight, and in general, people were more aware of their surroundings. Which, well, damn, like saloons are no longer open twenty four seven. But it wasn't until, oh yeah, so as mentioned before, all of these individuals were African American. Mm -hmm. So the issue kind of was seen as like other people's problems. Like, oh, that's happening in the black community. It's a black problem. I hate that fucking thing. And many believed it was a gang of black men that was just a, a gang of black men like wreaking havoc in the African American community. The victims were also all women who lived with men out of wedlock. So whenever I was reading, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, they lived with their boyfriend, like many of these women had. So it was suspected that this crime was committed by a gang of men who felt their lifestyle was immoral. Like, there was... But that doesn't make sense for... What was her name? What was Rebecca? Rebecca. Her daughter? Yeah, that doesn't make sense for her. She was only 11. Like... Yeah, yeah, they really, it's hard to pin why Rebecca and not not her mom. mom also, or like not both individuals. Yeah. But things began to change dramatically. So yeah, things started to change dramatically on Christmas Eve of 1885. On Christmas Eve, the servant girl Annihilator claimed its first white victim. The body of Sue Hancock, who was described as, quote, one of the most refined ladies of Austin, was found in her backyard, which is now the Four Seasons of Austin, by her husband. Of course, her husband was suspected of the crime, which, of course, we'll get into a little bit later. Mm-hmm. However, about mm, roughly a few hours later, that same Christmas Eve night, the murderer claimed another victim. Ooh. Eula Phillips and also quote from the from the news articles back then was one of the prettiest women in austin and yeah i saw pictures she's very attractive and she was found in her in-laws backyard i mean not that that matters but (laughs) it's like she's very pretty and very young also um but she was found in her in-laws backyard which is now the austin central library was she white too or was she she was yes her husband jimmy phillips had severe wounds as a result of the attack the story was that the family had gone to bed together with her child laying between them her husband was covered in blood and thankfully the little boy was not harmed but just as molly and the rest of the victims yola was dragged outside to her death however 
After the slaying of Eula and Hancock, the murders stopped. So now this is... It's like... Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? Well, it's kind of like they escalate, they escalate, and then they have like a cool-off period, and then they escalate again, right? Isn't that how the pattern goes with killers? There was no cool-off period because there was not another murder like linked to these cases. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So that like certain type of MO, the the axe and the dragging, like all of that stopped. Yeah. And then three years later, that's when Jack the Ripper made his appearance in London. So there were some speculation like, oh, Jack the Ripper started in the United States. Like he was in Austin and traveled his way and made his way to London and started his attacks there. Um, which, uh, going deeper here in a little bit, I don't like it. It's probably not likely. But let's talk about Austin, Texas at the time. In 1885, the capital was under construction. And as mentioned at the beginning, it was only 20 years after the Civil War. Racism, which has been a theme, unfortunately, is still well and alive. And since most of the victims were African-American, it was suspected that this was racially motivated. Some people believe that the attacks were due to them being people of women of color. Until, of course, the murders of Hancock and Philip. A year before the murders, there were numerous assaults on servant women, so that fueled the speculation that this was race-driven. Let's talk about the investigation now. So the dear old policemen that were working the case. Doug Dukes of the Williamson County Jail had studied the methods used by investigators of the time. So at the time, they used bloodhounds, barefoot traps, and even threats to get information. Looking back at it now, you can tell, like, this whole case was so botched. Not surprisingly, they targeted African-American men primarily. And of course. the city was not really satisfied with the work of the police, so they called, out, they called outside detectives to work on the case. The detectives teamed up with the Austin Police Department, and both of them used threats in the form of confronting men of color with lynching threatening them that they would lynch them if they did not give them the information that they needed. And that's how you get false information. Exactly. And there aren't records of lynching, but what I kind of believe is that it happens more often. Like, it happened more often. Like, who's going to record that, you know? Yeah. Who's going to write that into history um, in the area? Let's see, let's see. So Dukes reported that they even picked up one of the bodies and brought it back to the house, destroying the crime scene, which the thought of that would make even the most novice true crime junkie cringe. Oh, yeah. But overall, they had little evidence with the exception of a floorboard that they cut out that had a bloody footprint on it. So the main suspect in the cases of the white women were the husbands, of course. Mm -hmm. Um... So the police suspected that just about with all of the crimes, like, oh, it was their spouse who did it. It was their partner who did it. But the case of Eula Phillips, the young and beautiful victim, quote, or like put it in quotation marks, beautiful victim. (laughs) So we remember her. She married well. Like going back, I felt like her story was really interesting. 
Um, Because although she married into a wealthy family, she was only 15 years old. And her husband, Jimmy, was 24, which wasn't uncommon at the time. But there was a big age gap, and he was apparently an alcoholic who was physically and emotionally abusive. The trial of Jimmy Phillips was considered the equivalent to the O.J. Simpson case. Like, it was, yeah, like, it was a spectacle at the time. Like, reporters were all over it. Reporters from even, like, Chicago and other bigger cities came down to report on the case and watch the trial. That's nuts. Yeah, the DEA claimed that his wife, Eula, was acting as a prostitute or having extramarital affairs, which caused her to bring her death upon herself. Assholes. So even in death, her reputation was on trial. So rumors... That happens now today still. Yeah, like, that's that's so weak, I think. Like, they're not there to defend themselves. And anyways, but rumors of her being romantically involved with big names in the state government circulated. One big name in particular was the man running for governor, Controller Swain. An hour before Eula's death, though, she was reportedly visiting May Tobin's brothel as she was friends with an African-American brothel owner. So her reputation was kind of like, mm, she's young and she does like unsavory things. You know, she's friends or like in cahoots with people that are questionable. So it was easier to put that image out on trial. Yeah. So because she was spotted at the brothel, the night of her murder, it was suggested that she was there because she needed a room to meet her secret lovers, or she was prostituting herself out. Which, I mean, like, if you have many, well, like, more than likely, that's not, you know, you don't need an extra source of income. But who knows? Uh, she was 17 years old at the time, so super young. So what's interesting here is like no linkage was made between the two crimes that happened on Christmas Eve. So Phillips was on trial, Jimmy Phillips was on trial, and Hancock was on trial, like the husband of Hancock, um, the well-established woman in society. But they, both trials like didn't overlap each other or evidence wasn't brought at the same time, if that makes sense. So there was one item discovered at the crime scene and as mentioned, I remember. Ooh, God, I cannot. My mouth is so dry right now. So the one that wine. <laughs> I know, I've been drinking so much water too, and this is only one glass, one small glass. <laughs> but the police did have that footprint cut out. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. So in the trial of Phillips, they compared the two, as what you should. So they made Phillips put his foot in a bowl of ink. To make to see if like there was a match. Thankfully for Phillips, it did not match. His foot was a little too small. But I mean, you can wear bigger sized shoes. Oh, it was so the footprint. It was like a literal footprint. Mm. So it was suspected that the killer took off his shoes to be more discreet. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Ooh, that's creepier. I know. Mm. Get your nasty Ooh. ass feet out of here. um let's see yeah so it did not fit but they still convicted jimmy like there was still after jimmy so mayor robertson needed to polish up his image and his brother just so happened to be district the district attorney people of austin weren't happy with how 
the city officials for handling the case. So the mayor at the time really wanted to bring somebody, you know, to trial and really bring them their criminal that they wanted to see. But the evidence just wasn't there. They really couldn't do anything with it. So what was interesting about the footprint is there was like one huge, huge piece of evidence that wasn't highlighted throughout these cases. And that was that footprint had a peculiar formation to it. For like inform like God damn it. And a peculiar peculiar look to it. The footprint was missing a toe. It was it was missing a toe? Yes. So like the the footprint it had like the big toe and all the other ones except for the smallest one. And you can't like lift that. Like I'm trying right now to like yeah, like put my toe without it, and no, you have to like. Unless he was walking on like no, you can't walk like that. That's weird. Yeah, so it had this un like this unfamiliarity. I can't say that word. I'm not gonna say it. This like it was missing a pinky. Yeah, it was deformed in some way. Like that's a huge giveaway. Like mm-hmm. this man Phillips is not missing his pinky toe, yeah. but they tried anyways. Um, let's see. So, in the document, the PBS documentary, they bring in a number of experts, and one of them was FBI criminal profiler Mark Savrick, who does believe that this horrendous crime, these horrendous crimes, were carried out by only one person, um, uh-huh. because of the drag marks, like the drag marks marks from the bed to the outside. There are not multiple drips. So if there are mul- multiple people covered in blood, there would be more of a mess. And, and if you had more people, you wouldn't drag someone. You could just lift them up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the dragging was a big clue. And this is all kind of like in hindsight now. Like these are all, all investigators now today trying to solve for the crime that happened in the 1800s. Just speculation. Exactly. And then witnesses um, that have given their reports have only seen one person around. Like, it's really noticeable to see, like, a group of people huddled around an area. Mm-hmm. And there's clear and consistent behavior in each of these crimes, which we kind of know now, like, serial killers have their MO, and then they just kind of, like, get better and better as they go and refine their skill. And he also talks about, Safrick also talks about the need-driven behavior. So once the victim is dead, you should leave the crime, ideally. You know, you don't want to be caught. But there was something, as most serial killers have, something off about this individual because he sexually assaulted the victims, most at least. So moving the body was ritualistic in a sense, and it gave him more time with the bodies to do whatever satisfaction he needed to do which we also back then they did not have you know dna they didn't have like body fluid samples this is all speculation because they did not think of collecting any of that yeah so mark safrick also believes that the um that the murder was a black male and i kind of thought this at first too because most crimes aren't interracial Um, But the reason, I mean, the question does come up. Well, he moved on to white women. So Saffron speculates that by the time 
this killer, or by the time serial killers commit six crimes, they start to get cocky. Like, they, they believe that they can't get caught. So why not go after something that is unattainable, ideally, which would be upper-class white women? So that's why he thinks that it was a black male, and he also believes that it was a male in his early 20s and pretty muscular. So yeah, muscular because he was able to drag the bodies out himself and muscular because he was able to like take on their partner also, like knock them out unconscious. Yeah, but if you're sleeping... It's kind of easy, you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But I'll bite, I'll bite. <laughs> I'll believe he's muscular, yeah. So now bringing up geographical profiler Kim Rosmo of Texas State University. Eat him up, cats. He believes <laughs> that most of the, so he had a really cool program that he uses. So he believes that most of the time killers live in the area that they commit crimes. And the crimes that happened in what is now known as downtown Austin was called Guy Town at the time. So in Guy Town, there was a lot of prostitution, a lot of gambling, and it was mostly comprised of mixed races uh, because many of the Freeman communities were all in a walking distance. And South Congress, uh, or ooh, the Congress Avenue ran through that, which Congress Avenue, just as South Congress or Congress Back then it was filled with warehouses, but it was filled with like shops and restaurants, which isn't too far from what it is now. But that's also where the brothel was located. So that's where, so it, he speculates that Susan Hancock's killer saw Euline at the brothel and followed her home. So after he killed Hancock, he goes to the brothel, spots Phillips, and follows her home and kills her. And that's how you get the two crimes that were committed on Christmas Eve. So the program that he uses shows the probability of where the killers lived based on the location of murders, like I just said. So the program suggests that the hot spot, like the hottest spot for the killer to live or work is Congress Avenue. Before, I'd mentioned that it's common for like servants to live in the same um, kind of property as the, as the restaurants. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of speculated that this has to be another servant based on the program that Rosmo has used. There's also the train station that's located in the area, in the hotspot area. So he may have worked there too. Um, and the brothel just so happens to be in the same area. So everything's like super tightly knit, super close. Um, but unfortunately, there are no records of a young black man who was incarcerated after the time of the murder so investigators thought well the crime stopped because this man probably was put in jail you know like he was put in jail or he hopped on a train and went to another city but if he went to another city then murders like this would still continue which there is no evidence of that happening in the surrounding areas or states so investigators of the PBS, like histor- history detectives, tried one last thing. They decided to look at 
records from around surround or like from surrounding counties until and then one day they found um in the san antonio daily express on february in february of 1886 an article that summarized the news of jimmy phillips court appearance because it was you know the spectacle it was like everyone was talking about it and everyone was writing about it but there was a surprising part the news article stated that a young African-American man by the name of Nathan Elgin was killed by the police after attacking a woman in a saloon um, and resisting arrest. The autopsy reveals an even bigger surprise. Can you guess? Uh, no. <laughs> so, Elgin's autopsy reported an abnormality on his foot. Oh, no. He had the little toe... Yeah, the little toe was gone from his feet. That's crazy. And this was a... Or from his foot, yeah. Yeah. And sorry, what what race was he? Was he... African-American. African-American, okay. So the foot corresponded with Mary Ramey's murder scene, and the reports included a footprint with the missing toe as, you know, the one piece of evidence the police had. Yeah. So both footprints were similar similar in peculiarity. So James Galloway, a librarian and researcher, decided to dedicate his grad work to the story since no one really had before. He found the same story of Nathan Elgin and was interested to see if the name came up anywhere else. So the sheriff's testimony in the area revealed that Nathan Elgin may have been guilty in all of the killings. He said that a plaster cast was taken after his death and matched the footprints at the murder scene. So there was evidence of these footprints matching. Uh-huh. The missing toe, toe footprint was not public knowledge, though, even though the prints were consistent in all of the murders. Moses Hancock was not convicted because Elgin was thought to be the murderer in the case. The census listed him as a servant, just as predicted from that program. Um, but at the time, he was working at Simon's, an upscale restaurant in Austin, right on Congress Avenue. Oh. So all little pieces starting to fall fall together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, why was Nathan Elgin not brought up in Phillips's trial? He was brought up in Moses's Hancock's, but not on in Phillips. So, like, they were they- not intertwined at all. They just didn't want to link him or they didn't realize or yeah the speculation was that yeah like it was it was sensationalized and there was just like no communication i guess with the two in the two cases and the mayor wanted somebody like physically there to convict somebody physically there to put the blame yeah because elgin was dead like they like police had killed him yeah um, but I don't think, or no, I don't think, um, I know that, like, Phillips ended up not going to prison for it, um, because I think within the community, everybody knew it was Elgin, but it's so weird because a lot of this has slipped through history. Like, we know of the killer, we know somewhat that Austin had a serial killer, but what we do know is that the killings did stop when he was killed. The police were were trying to arrest him for attacking a woman. The 1% probability that the killer lived on Congress Avenue, and he lived on Congress Avenue, and the missing toe, more than likely it was him. But 
with the weak reporting of this case, the mishandling of the case with Austin Police Department, and like the, just the documentation in general, it's kind of just loosey goosey all up in the air. Oh, sorry. What? So it's solved without being solved. Yeah, it's like we know, but there's no like definitive. This is it. Answer. Yeah, because this case when i started reading it i honestly like what i knew about it was that it was unsolved because it was linked to jack the ripper and that was it like i really didn't know much about it and honestly the reason i came up or not came up but thought to um do the servant girl annihilator is because we were talking about the moon towers so if you're familiar with austin um there's like a there's a bar called Moon Tower Moon Tower Saloon, and it's because Austin had actual moon towers, and the moon towers were supposed to like reflect the moon and give the city light. And oh. the the legend is, or the myth I would say is that it reflects off and gives um, gives light to the city because of some supposed murders that happened in Austin, but going through. Um, going through the articles, especially like Texas Monthly, was sure to say like this had nothing to do with the moon towers. <laughs> like the moon towers had nothing to do with the murder. Like that happened years later. So I was a little bit bummed about that, but that's what I knew about the case initially was oh moon tower. Yeah, I didn't know what a moon tower was till now. They're cool. Yeah, then we're since we were talking about it last night. Gabriel went all in depth and started like listening to. <laughs> this YouTube channel about, like, I don't know, the physics and science of moon. Too I'm like, much. no. He's like, don't you want to hear? It would be great for your podcast. I'm like, we're not going to talk about whatever light reflect refractors. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if you Google moon tower murders, Servant Girl Annihilator comes up. But yeah. it doesn't have anything to do with it. So another another legend that doesn't quite. That's it. Good job. The good annihilators. Job. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Upsetting, but really good. I'm glad you did it because it was on my list of stories to cover, but I think you covered it way better than I ever. Oh have, so. no. <laughs> you are silly. So thank you for that. Yeah. Sorry. I'm like, oh, look at all these pictures of moon towers now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, we'll be sure to post them too so you guys can see if you don't know what a moon tower is like I didn't. Yeah, the little bit, like I did not dive too deep into it. But what I heard from the video Gabriel was listening to was that people would actually like, go into towers and like light lamps or whatever until they found a way to just illuminate the city in a way that <sighs> used the moon, which is pretty cool. It made me think like, shit, the way people lived back in the day, like we take it for granted. <laughs> I know. I'm so scared of heights. I can't even imagine climbing up something to light it. And you know, sometimes when you're trying to light things, they don't light, and you're like over there, like trying to light a candle forever. I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> and then just <laughs> navigating through a city, which back then, like when this happened, like the 1880s, like Austin was like seen as like hillbill, like country territory still. Like it was barely <laughs> gaining its. Gaining, gaining its reputation as a city, as, like, a cosmopolitan city. So it's still pretty pretty young, but 
without all that infrastructure just walking around in the dark yeah how do you not get murdered (laughs) true oh man it was funny i was listening to um what was i oh no no, i wasn't listening i was reading uh, mindhunter and I was reading about the, um, I was at the part where they were talking about the murders that happened in um, in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and I, I thought about this case also because um, that chapter is called The Killer Has a, has a Lisp, or Has a Speech Impediment. Uh-huh. And this killer, the servant girl annihilator, I don't think he was ashamed of his little toe, but he could have been, you know, because a lot of these people do have like a really self con, like they're very self conscious to the extreme about something, about something they can't control, and that's why you know they take advantage of, of women. And anyways, yeah. And I was reading that, and I was thinking, I am never gonna go running or like hiking by myself. And then yesterday, I'm like, I'm gonna go for a two mile walk, like. <laughs> around Silker Park and self-distance that way and I was going I had no idea no idea where I was but I knew my GPS was on but it was like if you haven't been out there it's like really hilly and there's like trees that make like tunnels and it gets really dark in some That's places favorite. it's really yeah. pretty and you can see the whole city it's so nice but it also was it was also at like 7.50 so oh. it started getting dark and like oh my god like I need to turn around when I turned around and I got out of like the trail I couldn't recognize anything I'm like my dumb ass I did a little bit I was like this is why I said I wasn't gonna do this (laughs) now I'm gonna have to sit on a curb and hope nobody takes me (laughs) no I call everybody you know was aware of my surroundings so that's good that's good i know now that i've like listened to podcasts and like more as i've gotten older i i can't like justify running with like headphones in i'm just so like cautious about that now like Mm -hmm. before when i was a teenager i'd put my headphones on full blast and just go running but now i'm just like nope nope i need to hear everything i need to be like hyper aware like yeah, I did that earlier, and these, I finally re- learned how to turn on the noise cancellation. Uh-huh. <laughs> how to punch a button. <laughs> so when I was running, I was like, I can't hear anything. Yeah. And, like, it was weird. And I had to, like, move my headphone a little bit just to get, because there were, a, but there were a lot of people out on the trail today. So I didn't feel too scared because there were a lot of families. And the one thing I am scared about is snakes because there's a lot of snakes out here where I live. There's tons of snakes, yeah. So. Yeah, you got to be able to hear that rattle if there's a rattle. or Are there rattlesnakes out here? Mm, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, some lady found one underneath her trash can the other day. What a nice surprise. Kind of makes me scared, I know. <laughs> so I'm always, like, looking down. But I was a little grumpy on my walk, so I was, like, on my phone. Like I'm like, I need to pay Stop attention. It. Yeah, I'm like, I oh, know. my God. <sighs> Anyways, watch out for snakes, y'all. Yeah, It's that time of year. And I heard something about snakes. I mean, rattlesnakes are now, like, some of them don't even rattle anymore. And They're evolving. Yeah, be real careful. Yeah, especially the little ones. Don't don't just go and recklessly kill them, but just avoid them. They still do good. So. Do they? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Anyways. Anyways. (laughs) Cue the 
mortuary music. The creepy mortuary music. All right, so as you guys know, I started a new job. Now, for privacy reasons and because I am dealing with death firsthand and not like an old story I'm retelling you guys, I'm not going to be talking about pickups or bodies I witness or anything. That's just not... I want to respect people's privacy and, you know, it's, it's a very difficult fight, time for their families. And I would hate for one of them to listen and be like, that's my loved one. And, you know, so we're just not going to do that. But what I do want to talk about, just because we're not learning anything in school right now um, because of finals and we're just done with schooling at the moment. I learned something that I hadn't really considered until I got into this field. And I know we've talked about it before, especially with the body farming uh, and that has to do with donations because you're a donor and I'm a donor, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I learned that when you go to get your loved one to have like their organs donate donated, it's called posting. So when you go to have someone posted, um, the doctors go in and remove what they can or what you've given them authorization to, whatever they can salvage. And they they stitch you up and then now these organs are for the hospital to either you know, sell essentially or go go to a processing plant, you know. But now you have your loved one who's missing a whole bunch of things and they're not properly formed the way they're supposed to because maybe they're missing bones um, and they're now very hastily stitched up. So when embalmers or funeral directors go and pick up these bodies, uh, we have to undo all the stitching. We have to undo every single thing that was basically done to your loved one open them up and kind of like if we need to replace bones with like pvc pipes just to make them presentable if you want an open casket or if you're cremating then we can bypass all that but um you get charged more for having your loved ones donated like parts of them donated because it's now more work for the embalmer so i didn't realize that one you're not getting anything well i mean other people are living with your loved one's organs but now you're paying more for your loved one to have to go through an embalming process because you donated and i just thought it was weird because i always thought the hospital would cover that in some way because Mm -hmm. your loved one donated organs and that's not the case because most places will charge a lot more to fix what the hospital has done to make your loved one presentable Hmm, that's crazy yeah and it just it kind of I'm not saying, like, like the hospital's profiting off your, like, loved one's organs. I'm not saying that at all. But it kind of felt like maybe the hospital should cover the the extra things required to get your loved one to a presentable mm-hmm. status. So Well, I guess, huh, that, I don't know. Like, I have questions, like, churning here in my head. Yeah. Because... <laughs> Because the hospital, I guess that would require the hospital to know what the intentions for the body would be, like what the wishes of the family are, like whether or not they want to be cremated or even yeah. embalmed um, in general. Um, yeah. So maybe that's why they don't do it, but it, it kind of seems like it's, you know, it would well, be nice. So much, <laughs> yeah, there's just so much paperwork involved in the exchange of doing the whole donation process um like there's so much paperwork sorry i hit the mic there's so much paperwork involved in that aspect to make sure that yes i'm authorizing that this is allowed and then once the body's done 
the family or whoever the funeral director contacts the family and then you're doing even more paperwork even before you go to pick up the body so there's definitely a time in between there where the family can let the hospital know i don't know it just seemed very weird to me that i never really considered the fact that families are getting charged a lot more to fix not really fix but like make them presentable or up to up to code with the with I don't even know the words to say it like the the funeral like if you were going to do a funeral like an open casket or something or mm-hmm. you're just going to cremate if you're going to cremate I don't I think you can bypass all that but not everyone some religions don't even allow cremation yeah yeah that's so. what I was thinking so yeah like for like you were saying like how it depends like how much they remove like if they were to remove bones from the body you really can't just present it the way it's given and I know like I know for some families it's like I will pay whatever but a lot of families also don't have the means to pay just whatever but they want to honor their family member with a proper burial and a proper ceremony and that kind of puts them in a spot you know like a rough spot on like how much they can afford and how much they can do um do you know like the difference like the cost difference it can be really expensive i don't know exact cost but it can be really expensive depending on how much they take um because it's just the it's we basically the time the time that it takes to repair Mm -hmm. someone and kind of reconstruct them it it gets very costly so that that's kind of where i'm like that's now it's like instead of donating organs maybe i just want to donate my full body to science yeah kind of made me like reconsider not i don't know like i I would love to help other people for sure if my organs were still viable for them but i don't want to put more of a cost on my family Mm -hmm. Uh, which also led me to the fact that you can pre-arrange funerals um there's there's like contracts for you to like set in prices and start paying off your funerals a lot of those contracts can't be taken to other states or other funeral homes so you really have to like plan it for if you're going to stay here for the rest of your life then you know that's something to look into but um i don't know like if you know you're going to be a donor maybe you can work it into your funeral you're planning your funeral or something which then i could totally justify okay yes i want all my organs everything donated because i've already paid for it my family doesn't have to worry about it yeah and yeah that's why i am a huge believer in thinking about the or like making plans now for when it does happen i think i say that every episode but it's It's true it's important yes yeah that's something i was not aware about you know like we do advocate for people we do encourage people to be organ donors because it does help people but there's not this other side of it that we're told which we probably us as the individual organ donor probably you know, we're not going to be the ones that have to deal with it. Yeah. But you also just want to prepare for, you know, like you said, your loved ones. And you want to make sure that they don't have to make any of those decisions in the case that your organs are useful and can be donated. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I was, I know I'm, I was going to, like, go and make arrangements to have stuff set in motion so I can start paying it off. I'm only 23, going to be 24 and like, less than 20 days but like 
I know we're going to move, so I don't want to set anything yet until I know exactly what state we're going to be in when I die so I can make those arrangements in that state. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the time you can't, tra- uh, funeral homes are not obliged to honor the sets and rates that you've already paid for. So mm-hmm. it's you really have to like make sure that, okay, this either this is where I want to be buried and this is where I want everything set or I'm going to stay here for the rest of my life and I'm fine being buried here. Yeah, I mean, that's something I've, oddly, it sounds odd, but it's something I've talked about with my mom. Like, she's always mentioned, like, where she wants to be buried because, you know, she's from California and, but has lived here most of her life now, I would say. Yeah. Um, So we did talk about, she's like, oh, well, I want to be, you know, buried in Los Angeles. And, but then now she's like, well, no, I feel like it's best to um, be at, like, the um the cemetery for soldiers because uh-huh, i think yeah. they take care of those costs if i'm because it's all like there's nothing unique about anything done there it's all you get army issued army issued yeah. gravestone army issued everything yeah so the va handles all that uh you'll just have to do you'll just have to give them like your what dd 214 mm-hmm. to make sure that you know you were honorably discharged or honorably finished your you, you retired or whatnot, and once you go through that, then the funeral director is supposed to go through the VA and get all that paperwork set and ready for you guys in motion. And then you, the family is supposed to contact the VA after that and kind of make sure that they're getting the military honors and that if they are being buried at, like, a, a, a cemetery for soldiers, that you just have everything planned and set. Because you do have to request it. It's not just, mm-hmm. oh, you died. Now, you know, we're just automatically going to give it to you. You do have to request it. Gotcha. So... Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Yeah, not that I yeah. want to have to deal with that anytime soon, but... No, no, no. Yeah. It, it's good to know because you don't think about these things until all of a sudden there's a big wave of all the stuff you have to do and you become overwhelmed, mm-hmm. so... Oh, yeah, yeah, like, there needs to be a checklist. I'm sure there is somewhere where you can just <laughs> download and be like, all right, this is what I need to do. But if this podcast mm-hmm. does anything, I hope it at least, like, gets you thinking or encourages you to prepare like if not yourself your family because unfortunately like all of us have loved ones who are getting older um and one thing recently like so last sunday oh my god last sunday was the worst day ever (laughs) so i and it was a sunday like i didn't think people were working on sunday but i got an email from the job in wisconsin saying like sorry but no i probably bombed my test but anyways i got that email and then and then my mom called me and said like my grandpa has leukemia and i I was like oh okay but she yeah she's been saying for the longest time like I need my grandparents, I need my parents to make arrangements, you know, like, she's trying to encourage them, and I know it's tough to talk about, but, like, they don't have a job that would cover it, you know, they don't have a savings, she's like, look, we need, I need to know what you want, so, so yeah, just have that, think about it, have that conversation if you can with your loved ones, so no one's put in a bind, um, you can always DM us if you have questions. I'm sure Sam Sam has hella resources <laughs> she can ask. Yeah. If anything, if you guys get anything out of this podcast, I think it's really 
normalizing talking about death and funerals and you know just planning and making sure that you're not leaving a burden for your family or you're not making it more stressful for them because i can't even imagine having to deal with finances when you lose someone Mm -hmm. like i that's the last thing you want to worry about so yeah and if you don't want to go to the funeral home and make a contract to save shove some money in a mattress or in a safe and just save and save little by little i mean you know yeah or even i and this i'm not too familiar with but even like life insurance Mm -hmm. like educating yourself about life insurance like when you like ask your job about like the benefits that they give you for life insurance and like what costs they can cover that I'm unsure about. Like, does it have to happen on the job or like? I guess it just depends on the job and the contract. But it definitely depends on the contract. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, you can also um, buy a casket from Costco and just keep it in your garage. Yeah, I've seen some cute glitter ones. I like, do like those a lot. Yeah, those are pretty cute. I don't know. I'm 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 still very indecisive indec- of what I want done. Same. Samezies. Yeah, there's this new thing called, um, I think it's called alkaline hy- hydrosis or something. Mm-hmm. And they turn you into, like, soupy water and they just flush you down a toilet, essentially. <laughs> like, sounds great. It's, like, cheap and they don't have to deal with it. But who knows? Who knows? I'm very, like, we talked about it earlier off the podcast, but, like, I very much want to stay with Matt. So I, I don't know. It, it kind of plays into, do I want a natural burial? But then I can't, you know, be buried anywhere near Matt. What does Matt want? So Yeah. There's, that's why it's so important to talk about these things. Because things change. Plans change. You you can change your mind. I change my mind how I want to be buried, like, two times a day. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think we've settled on um, natural burial. Or Gabriel wants a natural burial. I'm like, cool, I'm going to go in the hole with you then. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, this is a long episode. I know it was a long episode, (laughs) but before we end, we put you through an hour and almost twenty minutes. Um, and you want to know what book? What book we're doing? We should have done that at the beginning, but you know, we had. Maybe you could like cut it into the. We had sad things. No, no, no. This is your little gift for sticking with us to the end. (laughs) That is true. Good for you guys. So, drum roll. So... I should not be tapping in the mic. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, you're tapping on the mic? Okay. Yeah. You might have to cut that out. So... At least my end. <laughs> it was very close. It was a very close vote. Uh, but the winner for this month is... Things We, we had to flip a coin. That's how close it was. <laughs> yes. So, it is Things We Lost in the Fire by Mariana Enriquez. Yes. but we will start officially on june 1st so that will so give make you sure some you time have your books june 1st yes and your syllabus ready yes and if you guys can't find it for some reason messages and we can link you to it so yes yeah we will we- we'll post everything after this so like a day or two after this episode drops i will post the book and like a link of where you can find it and all the good information all right yeah and it, you guys make sure you check out the post for an extra surprise we're all full of surprises yes i'm sure one you guys would enjoy but yeah thank you guys so much for tuning in for episode 34 it was a it was a hefty one it was a big one 
Thanks. <laughs> big and big and. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can find us on all our socials at boozepodcast.com. That is spelled B O O Z podcast, where all your podcasts are stored and sold. <laughs> and we are on all our socials at Booze Podcast. Yes, slide into those DMs. Give us some topics. So, you know, I enjoy when I hear from y'all saying, giving suggestions. Yes, I'm trying to think if I want to do a listener's request next episode or if I'm going to do something horrific that you guys are all going to hate me for later. Did you say horrific? (laughs) Horrific. Oh, yeah. We're y'all going to love it, though. Oh, I don't know. Matt told me not to do it. What? Now I have. Okay, okay. We're ending this so I can know what it is now. Yeah. Impatient. All right, guys. Stay boozy. We love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.